0: Welcome, everybody. How's everybody tonight? Thumbs up? We're in a good place? Oh, praise God. Well, we're going to uh, finish the study guide tonight on the teaching notes. So if you have uh, anybody, this is your first night here? Okay, so you're all veterans. Oh, welcome. <laughs> There's uh, If you want to pick up a book... On the back, the, the book is a freebie, so that's you take that with you. Uh, there is two loaner books there. There's one that's called the Ministry Team Training Manual, and then there's the Teaching Notes. We're going to finish the Teaching Notes. Um, this is our sixth week. Is that right? Wow, praise God. Okay. Um, we're, we're good. We're going to take September, and we're going to work through. Um, so next week, we're going to get probably really into some um, if you were actually to have a ministry before you, what would be some of the ways to set up for it? How do you um, negotiate through it with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? What are the gifts that you can bring to bear? There's different styles of approach in, in uh, prayer ministry. Um, the style we use here is, uh, is the one that's covered by our, both our insurance. Pastor Terry keeps records of your training. And so, one of the things that uh, the, what this uh, actual class will help qualify you for, um, if you want to be part of our ministry team going forward, and also part of our, uh, what I'll call prayer ministry team, and they're separate, uh, the ministry team that meets comes up Sunday morning when we call the ministry team, there are people that pray for, so you know that those people that are standing up here praying for you have gone through uh, some instruction and protocol, um, some of the do's and don'ts, but then there's a a higher level of actual what we call in-depth counseling or prayer ministry. And uh, since you're not, you may or may not be an ordained minister, but you're certainly not, if you're not on staff here as an ordained minister, there are legal responsibilities. If you give someone counsel and advice and they go out and do something strange, um, that makes you liable for that counsel and advice. But by doing it under our protocol, following the way we do this ministry, you actually come under uh, what's called a trained lay advisor position in our um, insurance policies. So that means if you're here as a ministry team member, you give someone counsel, they say, they gave me bad counsel, and they, they come and sue you, you're actually under coverage. So, but if you become a lone ranger and want to do your own thing, um, you're not under our coverage. And so that's why we, we kind of, and, and the other thing is, it's not to be strict or weird, but it's just the, the protocols also work. <laughs> you know, the, uh, when you've taken, uh, I think, 29, 30 trips into some of the most dangerous areas in the world, and uh, we've come back, and I praise God for that, and we've helped people that, that just, um, the policies and the practices that are biblical, Jesus watches out for the word. So let me pray tonight. Lord, we thank you. I, I thank you for all those who have, uh, are spending their time uh, to rightly divide truth in application. All for the purposes of helping one themselves find a new level of freedom of revelation. But number two is also to be able to assist others. Actually applying from our first course meeting that Mark chapter 16 There will be a sign of those that follow the Lord, who believe in the Lord. Cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, handle deadly things without harm, lay hands on the sick that will recover. It's part of the Great Commission. So being equipped to be able to do that and honor your word in the midst of it and demonstrating and modeling love to those who are wounded and hurting is really the desire of our hearts here. So Lord, would you do that? Lord, we ask That you would help us to be fully equipped, lovers of God and lovers of people. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Here. Robert Morris from Gateway Church in Texas just finished a six-week truly free on the same thing you're teaching on. So this is definitely something that God is really stepping it up on. Hmm. That's interesting. interesting? Six-week study. That's interesting. It is. Hallelujah. Thank you. And and, uh, we just want to be a place that um, is able to do everything the Lord's called us to do. And when the Lord brings someone across your path that's really hurting, tormented, um, when I see people that have struggled with stuff I, I told you I had a, an older man from another church another location come here from, um, and a Christian for over 40 years and battle stuff and then get free I mean wow Thank you Lord okay let's pick up we're we're going to finish tonight uh, the teaching notes the, the the purpose of the of the first five weeks of this has been get you really grounded scripturally so that when um, there are those that believe that both deliverance and healing is not for today, that it ceased when the apostles died, which is not biblical. And if someone would say to you, so when I, when I walk into a church, whether it's overseas or here in the United States, and they said that deliverance is not for today, I can pull out these teaching notes that says these are loaded with scriptures. Um, that's not biblically Correct. And I used to belong, I was actually uh, an elder in a church that was, their doctrine um, was seek not, forbid not. I was another member of a church that didn't believe it at all. So I've come a long way, baby. <laughs> um, and I think I've shared enough of my testimony. so of you know that. All right, so we, we left off, let's turn to page 24 of the teaching notes. Um, <clears throat> and we were looking at the way... Um, demonic realms get access, and we were looking specifically last week at um, the attempts Oops, I'm on the wrong page. Hold on. We're on page 32. That's where we left off. Um, We had looked at the different kinds of ways uh, we either have self-imposed curses or generational curses, and we looked at them biblically, uh, gave some examples of that, Um, both unconditional, conditional curses. You can look at those general and specific curses. Want to look now as, um, so what happens if you come across someone that is manifesting um, what appears to be a form of the curse or a form of demonic realms? What do you do with that? And so we've given several examples and actually different um, uh, examples of that from overseas and here. But I want you to see that uh, on that middle of the page there where it says the effect of a curse... um, Obviously, the reason we're concerned about curses, they have a spiritual power behind them. And so, if there's a door that's open, we tell the cover's open, the door's been open, the windows are open in a particular life that has given access to that, then uh, Peter Harbin there, I've kind of put that in italics. his, uh, His book study called Healing Through Deliverance, Practical Ministry, defines a curse as something said or done against others or gives its rights of a demonic entity to exercise power over a person. And so the, the devil doesn't, is not fair. I've seen children in the womb become under a curse through the umbilical. I've seen it through children, little, little, little. The devil's just, he's a dog. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can get access through the, through the littlest ones, he will. Um, so we want to look at the... What is it about unbroken curses? Some of us are kind of going through life, and, and I gave you the example of the woman in uh, in England who had been cursed by a, a coven when she was reading the scriptures on Christmas Eve, and they took the the uh, that time was a cassette tape and. Put it all around with curses on it, and strung her entire followed her home from the uh, church service, and then cursed her house, cursed her family, and strung her whole yard, all of her bushes around, surrounded her entire house with a cursed cassette tape. And when we asked her, "Well, what'd you do with it?" she said, "Well, I threw it away." And then the next two years were absolute hell on earth for her, her family. All four of her children arrested, breast cancer, husband visits a prostitute. Just one after another of things where that access way. Now, she had unconfessed sin in her life. She had circumstances, doors in her life that invited in because a curse that's undeserved can't land. So if you're uh, in what I would call in the Psalm 91 bubble, you know, the Psalm 91 promises, if I dwell in the shelter of the Most High. If I live under that sheltered place, in the shadow of the Almighty, well, how close are you when you're under the shadow of the Almighty? Right? You're Like right now, my shadow ends right here. So you're pretty close to me at that point. So what does he say? You may see things happening, a thousand dying to the left, 10,000 to the right. None of these evils befall your dwelling place. Why? Because you have declared that he is the Lord your God. And so you, he says, I will spring the snare of the fowler. Even the things, the traps that are set for you, you don't even know they're there. And he springs in for you. He says, I'll take angels to take charge over you, right? So this is those who come under what we call righteousness. Corinthians, Paul says, righteousness is both an offensive and defensive weapon. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands, pure hearts. So when we start messing where we shouldn't have been a messing, you just open the door and the devil comes, right? First Peter 5, 8 says, watch out, the devil seeks whom he may devour. So don't give them any devouring rights. So we we want to look at when we have unbroken curses that are projected, we start to become where several of you have come and said, I have family members that were high-level masons. What should I do about that, especially if there's been areas of my life that are an absolute mess? Well, it's in here, and I would encourage you to be proactive in the renouncing of those. We're going to cover this in a bit. Let's, Let's look at the bottom of the page. Even if a member of an organization is faithful to his vows, the demonic nature of this activity can and often does give rise to a curse. It is frequent observation that members of the Masonic organization can bring evil not only on the person involved but also on their extended family. If the family exhibits unusually multiplicity of problems, multiple illnesses, premature death, divorces, addictions, accidents, always appropriate, often helpful to interview the person and find out uh, whether they've been a member or children, you've been part of uh, part of the Sunshine Girls or something, a support organization of those uh, cults, that demonic bondage and curse can last indefinitely until that curse is broken. I'm on page 33 at the top. Is everybody else okay there? All right. How are curses generated? One, written and oral. I gave you the example of the guy in Belém, Brazil, who was projecting curses written, and our uh, translators were getting sick. So they can be, uh, someone can curse you in a written way, can uh, orally can curse you. That's verbally probably the most common. Um, they can place objects. They can, like we talked about with the cassette tape, careless statements that we selves, ourselves uh t- Bring upon ourselves, a lot of times in heated moments, we will say things that we regret we've ever said. Um, children will tell you, I hate you, or wish I never knew you, wish you never were born. Parents have told their children, you know, I wish you were never born. Um, I-, I wish you were a boy instead of a girl. and All these intended uh, or unintended things said either in emotions or anger or their own broken, wounded place that, um, that brings in a curse. Involvement of secret societies in the occult. I don't think we need to go over that again. Conduct uh, conduct that brings a curse upon the performer. The iniquities of ancestors. The In uh, Exodus 20 verse 5, Exodus 34, it says, The sins of the father visit to the third and fourth generation, but I'll bless to a thousand generations those who love me. So one of the things in prayer ministry you'll see is we make a pretty uh, important statement over forgiving ancestry, forefathers and foremothers, taking the sword of the Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God is active. It's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to cut between soul and spirit. And so when we say, take the sword of your Spirit and cut me free from every ungodly soul tie, whether it's physical, spiritual, or emotional, God, I ask you to separate me from every generational place. I'm getting anointed right now, so I'm the Lord is okay. And so someone, I think here, there's some ancestral stuff that needs to be severed. So you need to hear this. So this is that place in the, in the practice. We want to go through forgiveness of those that have wounded us, confession of our own sin, because remember, this is in review. James says, if you confess your sins one to another, you will be sozoed, healed, saved, delivered, right? If you confess your sins to him, he's faithful to forgive you. The difference between forgiveness and being healed is a big difference. How many of us walked the aisle, made the confession of faith? We know we're in. Our names are in the book of right, But I'm still tormented. I'm still walking through mess. I've got infirmities and sickness and battlegrounds and all this stuff that's happening. That is it my behavior? Is it someone else's behavior? Or is it behavior of generationally being followed through on the curses my ancestors brought upon me? Be good to know, and in safety of all prayer ministry, we're going to handle all of those. All right, we talked about uh, self-imposed uh, curses there at the bottom of 33. Turn the page to 34. We, we think we covered this last time. Careless statements that, I mean, I don't know any of us that haven't made so just dumb stuff, you know. Um, this job is killing me. Um, you're about to drive me absolutely out of my mind. Um, This government's a total mess. It'll never do anything good for us. We just need to be careful about the power of what's in our tongue. Um, Or a parent that says, you know, I'm just so sick and tired of you. You're going to always be sick all your life. Wow. That's great. So when we find ourselves either having said those things, repent. Renounce it. Turn it away. Even if you've made it a, a commitment when we've had uh, people who have been active in witch covens, who have been, who've given themselves over to demonic realms, ask for to be possessed by demonic realms. We see the, the the Lord first they get saved. We don't do deliverance on anyone that's not, right? Because you open them up to the Matthew 12. Concern of there'll be seven worse still come upon you if the house is not full, or you don't keep the house full. This is not a game either. We tell people, don't you go to prayer ministry if you intend not to carry out your covenant promises. Not perfection, but when I have, I had remember someone who struggled with alcoholism, was losing their job, was losing their marriage. They said, well, um, yeah, I'm, I, I know now I'm, I'm an alcoholic, but I don't want to stop drinking, but I want to get it under control so that I can function. I said, well, you're not a candidate for prayer ministry, right? You're going to have to go abstinence from that. You're going to have to get set free of that because that demonic addiction, that place where the, I believe in addiction doesn't start that way, but when you start opening the door, it becomes an addiction, and that's a spirit of addiction. So there are those that have chemical issues, but there are those that have spiritual issues with it. And so, We want to ask that you be careful about where you've opened doors and what's coming out of your mouth. And if you've done those things, repent, ask for forgiveness, renounce the lie, replace it with what is true. So if you said, and and it's okay if you're a parent and you've said some dumb things. I don't know. Uh, I use the example of uh, right motive, wrong method. Remember the father who took his son up and showed him a million-dollar house and said, you'll never have it because you don't work hard enough, you're lazy. And so... He had to. He come to me. I said, "Well, let's forgive your dad for that statement, but at the same time, let's renounce the lie that you'll never amount to anything, that you never worked hard enough." So we forgive dad for that statement. We release him, but now we cut the power off that thing that says, "I won't be there," and I won't be able to submit. Okay. All right. Um, you see that proverb there? Proverbs fifteen four. The wholesome tongue, inner vows. How many times um, I've seen people in depression and despair curse themselves. I'm such a loser. I'm the black sheep of the family. Um, I, I don't know why I do these things. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. And they even stand in front of the mirror. I've seen them punch themselves in the face. And, and uh, this self-abusing um, destruction and just such despair. And we've got to get you to a place where st- stop that. You're significant. You're loved by God. You're in a wrong place. Maybe you've been doing some wrong things, but that doesn't dictate this is not your identity. And those inner vows need to be broken, and then the conduct needs to be changed. So one of the things that we really attempt to do is the concept or the theory of the truth, the truth that sets you free. Uh, The lies that you've been telling yourself, that's a concept or a theory. Once they get the revelation that I have believed a lie, that I'm a loser, that I'll never amount to anything, that I can't do this, I'll always be rejected, that's a lie. When you can renounce that lie, so you take the theory of that truth, it becomes a revealed truth, and now behavior can change. You go from theory to practice, and so most of what prayer ministry is, is gathering truth and exposing error that they see. And hearing what, uh, when we go through this next week, have this, as they tell us their life about, this is what happened to me, and separating out, this was done unto you, these are the choices you made, these are the people you need to forgive, and then this is the lie that you believe. Once you can renounce that lie and replace it with the truth. Truth. That's where the Holy Spirit then brings that revealed truth to change the behavior. And so that's really what we're after. It's the truth that will set you free. So the inner vows are big, and we've got to get rid of Okay, participation in secret societies. Mere participation, top of page 35. Mere participation in some activities such as the satanic cults and Freemasonry can have significant adverse effects on a person himself or his family. For example, extended families of Freemasons frequently exhibit what seems to be the effect of a curse, such as an unusual number of divorces, incurable diseases, addictions, accidents, premature deaths. Sometimes an activity by a Freemason seems to have a corresponding effect on a family member. For example, uh, one particular Masonic ritual involves placing a noose around the member's neck. The member of the family, such as a member of difficulty, the breathing until the apparent curse and related noose is broken. Just one example. What other things? Conduct. We know disobedience to the commands of God. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy 27 and 28 there? That probably chapter 30 of Deuteronomy is the best. He says, I place before you life and death, the choices you make, and heaven, all heaven, will witness the choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life and live, that you and your descendants would live. Well, this is where free will comes in, and either by ignorance or not knowing the word or not being brought up scripturally, we don't know the things we're involved in, but we've made choices, and making no choice is still a choice, right? And so this is the place where he says your conduct really matters. So what do you do? If you have iniquity of an ancestor, the, the habitual or flagrantly uh, sinned in a particular way, um, I've, I've kind of listed there the Exodus 34, which is another uh, of the same thing that's listed in the Ten Commandments there under Exodus 20, verse 5. As the Lord passed before them and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord thy God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You can stop there, you go, <sighs> But I like the next verse in in chapter 20, verse 5. says, but I will bless to a thousand generations. So what ancestral sin and iniquity brings to three and four generations, when the woman or man of peace brings love of God to the family, he blesses to a thousand generations. So love is always more powerful. And so I love that promise. You can't stick right there with, wow. And who knows what they were doing 300 years ago. I don't know, but we're gonna cover that in prayer ministry, both generically. Wow. Okay, Lord. Okay, here we, we're gonna shift the uh, in the interview process. So I want you to get this picture. There may be different scenarios, but I wanna use the one where we've set up a a a formal prayer ministry. The person has said, I wanna come. Now, they may have gotten there through life is just, they've had a series of world one issues that have occurred, and they've kinda of like, um, oftentimes we have people, y'all, find people out there and you say, you ought to go to prayer ministry. Um, we've had people that are struggling with marriage issues, children's issues, addiction issues, um, lying issues, anger, hatred issues, violence and rage, racism. They come and they say, look, I, I hate this thing that's bothering me, um, I want to be set free. So they come. The first thing they'll get, if you'll pull out your handout, which is the one we did our first couple of sessions on. It's the one that's called Breaking Free. And if you'll turn to page four of that handout, this is kind of the beginning of the interview process. We will, um, the person will contact us and they'll, like right now I'm booked up through I think December right, But we have other uh, team members that are also um, helping out here. Well, what'll happen is Pat will give you, um, either send you a an automated copy of this over the internet, or you can come pick it up. You'll get the two-page journal. I want you to see what's on the journal. Um, page four and five represent what you get two weeks before, ideally two weeks before your ministry. If you can do longer, great, and. You'll notice what it is in the journal. Remember what we said in James. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of all truth, right? He will lead, he's the teacher. And he said in James, if a man or woman lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord, right? So when you as a willing, yourself, will, engage now with the Holy Spirit, and you come and say, Lord, I want to do this process because I want to get set free, and I want to get closer to you. So you come before the Lord, and you get a journal that's a fancy word for a scrap of paper. put on the top of it, who do I need to forgive? the other side of it would be what do I need to confess? And you can add pages like I said, I had one lady come in I'm not exaggerating forty single space page, uh, so forty single lines, forty pages of all the people I need to forgive. She had such a spirit of rejection on her I, I've never to this day I've never seen anybody with that level of she. She knew that she knew she was going to be rejected just a matter of time. No matter who I meet, they're going to hurt me, wound me, and reject. And here, here's all the proof. Back to kindergarten, she's in her 30s. Could tell me the kids in her class, on the playground, the teacher, the co- I'm like, whoa, wow. But she was very diligent. Praise God, she got set free. But she was very diligent in the process of who do I need to forgive? I said, go back chronologically or go back to the largest wound. Start there. So she was back in kindergarten as her first memories and started, all the people I need to forgive. Nice hand penmanship. It was beautifully done. She was sad when we told her you have to rip it up at the end. <laughs> I said, you can't remember this anymore. It's, no longer, it's under the blood for the glory of God. It no longer has power over you, right? And so they'll get the journal page first and says, I'd like you to read these scriptures. This will give you insight or input biblically to what we're about to do. It puts the power of God's word into the process. Confessing your sins one to another, James 5. It's this uh, John 14, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us in the truth that we're going to have. John 10, 10, Jesus came to give life in all of its fullness. The devil's come to still kill, and destroy. So we have them look these scriptures up and then... Prepare a private list. You don't have to share this with your spouse. You don't have to share this with anybody. You will share it with the two counselors uh, that you're going to come to, and and you're going to share that personally with them, and we'll probably dig into the details of what was it about that wound that really got you. So please note, it's not uncommon to have several pages for both your forgiveness and confession list. Reflect back on childhood and ask the Holy Spirit to identify individuals that have brought the hurt. Make another list of your sins to be confessed. A lot of them go, oh, I've got to go tell my pastor and some leader of my stuff. I tell people right off the bat, if we haven't heard it, we've probably done it. So if you think that you're going to tell us, it's very, very rare now. I think... It's really, really rare that's like, "Whoa, I've never heard that before." Now, however, personally, when you come in and it's, you're, it's very it's, I can tell you my own personal you're vulnerable. It's feeling like I'm going to go in and share the deepest wounds of my life and the, the, the most terrible things I've either said or done. And you want me to lay that out to two counselors. Yes. Because what will happen is the things that you regret the most, once the darkness is brought into the light, it loses its power. That's a fact. That's a reality. I can tell you the stuff, the most horrible things. When we were in Spain, I'll share one testimony at the end of this book tonight. When we were in Spain, I was at a um, batel. It's a place for drug addicts and prostitutes. And they now are in 22 nations and over 100 different cities. And our leader there, um, Elliot Tepper, an amazing, we had been invited. He says, I would like you to do a prayer ministry, a mass prayer ministry on 250 of my key top leaders that run this ministry worldwide. So I took a team. We flew to Madrid. They have the largest evangelical church in, uh, in Madrid. And uh, I was doing a mass deliverance in this mass prayer ministry model, just on the floor with 250. I had, I think there was 16 or 20 of us from the, from the church that were there. And when it came time to personally confess, man to man, woman to woman, I put my team around the edges. Never before did it take two and a half hours. The things that were confessed in that, when my team came together later, they said, oh, my. These are the hardest core folks who've come out of some of the darkest, deepest places. You can imagine, drug dealers, murders, rapes, beatings. It was, but to see the transformation of when they they have never confessed those things to another human being, at least not openly for deliverance when they got set free, it was so glorious. In fact, we've been invited back twice now. He says, you got to come back. Just finding time. So um, so I want you to see that in the journal process, there is this place that um, you're making a choice to confess these things one to another. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. So the problem you worked the example with rejection. That woman who believed it was just a man, she believed. It was her belief system. I will be rejected. I have enough history to tell you it's so. And Proverbs 23 says, as a man or woman believes in the heart, so it is. So she knew it, she believed it, and it manifested for her. But when she forgave all those who wounded her, and then she renounced the spirit of rejection, and we cast that from her, she was like, I don't even know how to behave. How do I? So, well, you need to start walking it out that you're not going to believe that everyone's going to reject you. So, when you're in the church and you think someone looked at you kind of strange, see, I just, you need to go and ask, Are we okay? Did I do anything? So, the journal process takes a few weeks, turn the page. The forgiveness list on page five there, is another part of the journal that says, I need to go and even though I have confessed these things to the Lord, if you've taken communion, I'm sure, some of our deepest, darkest stuff. However, it's not unlikely that you'll confess these things over and over again if you don't believe that you've really been forgiven. And so there's something about two or three coming together in his name where two or three agree is touching, it shall be done from them. There's life and death in the tongue. So when I confess my sin of X, Y, and Z to these two who are in agreement that now I have been forgiven, there's something happens in the spiritual realm. Malachi chapter 3 speaks of a journal or a, a record being kept in heaven of those who love to meet and declare the works of the Lord. So you can look at that in Malachi chapter 3. I believe as soon as we start prayer ministry, the stenographer of heaven in your autobiography that will be revealed on one day that says when you stand before him and you give an account, this is the day Jesus, your attorney, said the blood of Jesus forgave them. And when the accuser stands there and says, no, is not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. The blood is reconciled. I paid the price. They're not guilty. Shut up and sit down. Or I object, your honor. So ruled, Right? So this is where, in the journal process, we encourage people. I always uh, ask the question at the end of all their, is there anything else, anyone else you want to forgive? Lord, show us anything else you want to confess. Is there anything that you are have not told us that you know you should? One out of ten times again, oh. I gave the example of the woman who said, I'm not telling you that one. And then the Lord gave the vivid picture of what it was. Embarrassed her, but the Lord set her free. Praise God, right? Okay. When you're in the process of you've already made the self-will choice with the Holy Spirit to come, and I want my life reconciled. He's just faithful. All right. Then if you look at the confession list, these are just some examples of things that you want to put on your confession list. False beliefs. False religions, idolatry to money, people, circumstances, jobs, any places of the occult, new age, witchcraft, drugs, alcohol, food, money, hobby, sexual immorality of any kind, physical, verbal abuse, whether done to you or done to others, types of music, books, areas of bondage that you've been in, repetitive sins, stuff you're trapped in now, fears, anxieties, traumas, Near-death experiences, abortion, suicide. These are traumatic events in a person's life that leave a mark. And what we're asking is, Lord, now you work all things together for good. Would you do it in this case? And so he does. He's just amazing. Uh, And then we list some of the things, examples there of angers and fears. So that's the first part of the journal. All right. Let's... um, well, this is a good time. Look at the next page, on uh, the, the one that has the trees on it. What I try to do here, this is a um, an example of what we're really after. If you, a person comes in, let's let's say that you're at work, um, you've got a friend, you're in counseling, you're on the ministry uh, team, and someone comes to you and says, example, I had someone come recently. Say, Man, I just, I'm so full of anxiety and fear. It's just overwhelming. I can't sleep. I got headaches, and so if you look at the left side of the tree, there it says the tree of death. What we're, what will come before you is a person will come, and what's hanging on their tree, the visible fruit that's hanging on their tree. In this particular case, they were consumed by fear and anxiety, but it could be others. Um, self-need, hopelessness, suicide, loneliness, rejection, self-hatred, addictions, when they come and say, here's my challenges that's hanging on my tree, what they'll do in the medical world for anxiety, they'll give you Xanax or some other thing, right? And I'm not opposed to medication at a certain point. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I've had people, well, you should never allow that, Pastor. I said, really? So people with thyroid issues or high blood pressure, they should never take eat either, right? Well, no, I mean, that's some medical issues. Oh. So serotonin uptake problems is not a, so we're not Christian scientists. I'm not. And so if, if you need medication and a doctor prescribes it or the, to come off medication, that's why one of the first caveats in prayer ministry is we're not doctors. We're not going to give you medical advice. I'm not going to tell you to stop taking your medication, especially when we have uh, people that struggle with schizophrenia or, or uh, multiple personality disorders right? So, but we want to be aware of those things. We don't want the soul shut down. When, if you come in and you're loaded up with, with some type of anti-anxiety medication and your soul is shut down, then it's oftentimes hard to get to the places. So, we want to talk about, I want to know that in advance as part of the questionnaire part of that process. But what the medical department will do is they'll load you up to, to shut down the soul. But what's driving the anxiety? I believe all anxiety comes from, and fear comes from unbelief. And here's an example. So what we're, what we're asking the person to do is, what are you anxious about? Oh, I'm anxious about everything. Was, okay, well, when you pull that down, the root system that's feeding that fruit of anxiety is listed just examples on the bottom left there. I'm so unworthy. I'm so unloved. I'm so guilty and ashamed. No one can help me. God hates me. Those are, all, those are all absolute lies, but they're believed based on experiences of what either has been done to them or how they processed what's been done to them. And so if that's the lie that's in their life, no wonder they're full of fear and anxiety. What we want to get them to do is once they can recognize that that doubt and unbelief that God is out to get me. He hates me. I've always done everything wrong. I'm ashamed and guilty. Well, that's a lie. We can bring Scripture into it and then look at the right side of the page. The root system on the right side of the page says, bottom bullet there, says, I have no fear. I am perfectly loved, 1 John. God has a plan for my life. It's a good plan, not for harm and not for injury, that when I seek him and search for Him with with my whole heart, he he will give me and restore my fortunes. I'm not guilty and ashamed because he says in Romans 8, one, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've already prayed that you're a believer in Christ, and we've declared and agreed with you that you're a believer in Christ. Therefore, this application is yours. So what we do is we get him to renounce the lie that God's out to get me. No, he's, he's already forgiven me. And once that happens, then you might start to see the top of the right page there, you start to see the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithless mercy, and self-control. And here's how you can do self-deliverance. And I do this on a regular basis. I would love to say I walk in Galatians 5 fruit all the time. But those who work with me and live with me know that, no, Dad, it's not really true, right? Sarah? But I, when I recognize I just I'm not walking in love, joy, and peace right now because maybe something really did happen. There's sheep bites, or there's this child of mine, or did my wife really say that? <laughs> you know. And all of a sudden, I'm, in, I'm not in love, joy, and peace. I'm in some other mode. But I can retreat and say, Holy Spirit, time out here. I need, I call them spiritual timeouts. Take a five-minute vacation with the Holy Ghost. And do Hebrews 5.14. Mature believers have trained their senses to discern good and evil. Pull back and say, Holy Spirit, What's up with all this? I'm feeling like I've been wronged. Yeah, well, y- y- you didn't do it right either, Tom. I didn't? It's amazing how you can't lie to the Holy Ghost, right? It's really hard. <laughs> it's like, so my wife and I had this thing where we call it how to fight fair or how to have a disagreement. As two German rockheads, when we first married, we had to prove who was right. And, man, it was like, oh, my goodness. So he said, wait a minute, if we get into this thing, let's take a timeout. I'm going to go to Port City, Java right now, get a cup of coffee. I'm going to talk to the Lord about this woman that you gave me, right? And I usually find out, yeah, and what about you? But, 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 Lord, but, no buts, buddy. And so then we come back together, and it just goes a whole lot better, right? And." So we've had this kind of agreement, if it's time to pull away. Now, there may be times she may be following me out the driveway. I remember one time, you can't go to Port City, Java. We agreed. (laughs) I'm driving out the door. And and then she came and says, I've forgiven you. I said, what did you forgive me for? (laughs) Anyway, I'm just being transparent. But this is how you can do self-deliverance on this, where when you recognize by your discernment of your own senses Something is off here because I am not in love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faith. In fact, I want to bless this person with a brick right now. <laughs> and you realize that's not Galatians 5 love. So something's wrong with your heart right now. And I've had people tell me, you don't have enough love for that person to talk to them yet. Right. Whoa. Okay. So when I get a hold of that, then I can move into this. Back in there. So when I start running over to the other tree, I said, well, you got to trim that tree and get back over here. That's, that is self-deliverance, spiritual warfare that every one of us in every day have to go through, whether it's road rage, your boss, the person who just pick it, find the circumstance. It will guarantee come upon you. And it's just an opportunity for growing up. Time to grow up, folks. He said in Hebrews 5, you guys are still sucking bottles and you're on milk. I wish you'd choose some meat. And, and then he goes, and this is how you do it discern the senses for good and evil. Okay. That's what prayer ministry is attempting to do. Tell me what's hanging on your unfruitful tree that you believe, and then uncover that root system. As we're te- you're telling me your life, I'm digging down on that. I get a hold of that taproot or that strong man. And I once I know who the strong man is, we can bind him up by forgiveness and confession and tie the strong man up, cast him out, replace it with truth, and you got a new root system. And you still got to walk it out. you got to water that system. But I'm telling you, that's how we go from a sanctification process of acceleration that just makes people that are brand new in the Lord, they can accelerate to depths with the Lord. And that's what I've seen in prayer ministry happen. All right. We were into secret societies. In the interview process, you can see, I'm trying to lay the groundwork of what we're gonna do next week. So the journal, they've got that. They're working on it for two weeks. Now, it's not uncommon in that two-week period, they're having dreams, visions. They'll run into people, or I've had this happen, and I've had many tell me, driving down the road, they've been asking the Lord, who is it that I need to forgive? And they've gone back there, first grade, second grade, third grade, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of their eye, in the car driving down a road, they see somebody that reminds them of somebody from 30 years ago. Pastor, what do you think about that? I said, uh, what do I think about that? I think, is that somebody you need to forgive? Oh, yeah. Put them on the list. Dreams, revelations, intimidations. That's why the other thing we'll pray when we do the, the process of vetting if a person's going to come to prayer ministry, are they really ready to go to prayer ministry? Are they really ready to just lay it all down? When, I told you when a spouse calls and says, my spouse needs deliverance, and here's the things you need to deliver that person from. I said, well, can you have your spouse calls? Are they ready? And then you find out, well, I've already told this person if they don't get this, their act together, I'm going to divorce them. So their motivation is to save their marriage, but... Are they really motivated? What's their real, true motivation in Christ? <clears throat> so, we want it to be personal. We want it to be real because that's where the self-will of the individual gets engaged. <clears throat> All right. Um, Derek Prince, there on the middle, on the top part of thirty-six observations. Derek has a book. It's um, "They Shall Expel Demons." <clears throat> really, it's a pretty amazing book. But he said that. He lists the following conditions when two or more of these are present. I'm just reporting it. I think it's a pretty good list. When two or more of the following is present, he believes there's a curse involved. Mental, emotional breakdown, repeated chronic illnesses, um, especially it runs through the family line, barrenness, miscarriages, mental problems, marriage breakdown, family alienation, financial insufficiency, accidents, history, suicides, death, when, when a family line, when, they, when you've had multiple things occur in the family line, especially next generation, grandparent or parent, and then we're looking at the child of this event, um, <clears throat> that thing holds a lot of weight that you want to start take your spade out and start digging around that root system. So what, what was your relationship with your father and your mother? Who raised you? Your grandfather. What was your relationship with your grandfather in that relationship? Um, The abuse that occurred to me. Well, what happened with that abuse? Well, they buried it. My family didn't want that known. And so when you start, because then you start seeing uh, stringer root systems on this. The root system may be, I'm going to be abused, I'm hated, I'm not loved. But then there's self-hatred and rejection that comes out of that confusion or chaos in their sexuality. And the, so you want to look at, as you start digging that, and then the Holy Spirit starts to bring revelation as to what are the lies that are believed. And then we have them specifically renounce those lies and replace that with truth. Um, <clears throat> how do you break a curse? Bottom of 36. Well, let me, let me before we, there may be those who have been through lots of prayer, uh, but you haven't made a lot of progress. Or I still got the issue. That is also indicative that something might be going on as a curse that's rooted down in there. If there seems to be a wall in praying for someone. I use that example with um, the case where uh, Trish in England, right? She manifested, had had cancer and manifested that anger and bitterness towards her husband and his infidelity, but she had an unconfessed abortion And other things that authorized, even when that spirit spoke to my mother and us in the room, the first time she heard a demon speak and said, she likes me, I'm not leaving. That's a kind of dumb spirit, but he just told us there's an authorization there that hasn't been broken. So um, when we prayed, Lord, what is it that is authorizing this thing? And then Karen says, ask her about the abortion. I've never confessed that abortion before. Well, that's a murdering spirit that's authorized self-murdering of your your family and all the circumstances around your life. When she let that go, we found freedom. So when we look at things that are oppressing or holding back, um, again, we want to ask the Lord to bring the revelation of that. And you can get in the middle of a prayer ministry and say, we're at an impasse. Holy Spirit, you know everything. What do we see? What do you want to do? How do we do this? And it's really, really rare. It's probably <clears throat> one or two out of a, several hundred a year where we have to stop the ministry. All right, moving on. Page 37. I think these are pretty obvious. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit can break the curse. And there's, one, repent for all the rebellion, uh, ask and claim forgiveness for the sin, um, Anyone who's brought the injury, the person who brought the curse or projected that, renounce it, any occult activities. In the specific case we had with uh, the doctor degree nurse that when she renounced generational witchcraft, she flew off the table, right, chair and came after me. It was in the renouncing. She'd already confessed it, going to be in a medium and a psychic environment as a Christian. When she came off and renounced it specifically, that's when that spirit got exposed, could not hide any longer. So there's something powerful in the renouncing and the breaking. Just, oh, yeah, forgive me, Lord, forgive my... F-. No, we're going we're gonna to make a declaration. <laughs> you know, Jesus never counseled a demon. Oh, it would be really nice if that spirit of uh, epilepsy would just come out. <laughs> never. Show me one scripture. In the name... He, he didn't even have to use his name. He was. Come out! Ah! <laughs> and, you know, Or he'd walk in the room and say, ah, have you come here to torment us before our time? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, shut up and come out. Okay. So there's this thing about authority. You, you can't cast out your flesh, but you can't counsel a demon. Remember what you do. If it's a flesh issue, then you've got to come to the Lord and ask for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. But if it's a demonic realm, you've got to take the sword and come after it, command it to go. Okay. Um, The general prayer of bottom of page 37, this is um, what I would suggest you do is I would ask you to reflect in your own life if there's areas of conduct or vows or things spoken over you and you know what they are. It's the tape that plays in your head. Then you, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I am not, even if I've agreed, they've always called me the black sheep of the family. I renounce that lie that I'm, I've been labeled the black sheep of the family. That's not who I am. I'm yours. I'm a sheep who hears your voice. So I renounce those lies. I forgive anyone who's spoken it. I ask you to forgive me anytime I've agreed with that. And from now on, in Jesus' name, I am free and I am a clean sheep. I'm not black. I'm a sheep following hard after you. Amen. And you just make that declaration. I had a woman come in dealing with uh, anorexia. She believed that she was overweight. I mean, I I don't know where it would be, but anyway, she believed it. And it doesn't matter what I believe and what I see. She believed that she needed to starve herself. She needed to vomit in the toilet every time she ate because she was fat and she was ugly. And we worked all around that, forgave and confessed. And I said, now, you're going to go home, and the way you're going to defile this spirit? And she told me, Pastor, you're just plain weird. I said, I know. I want you to go home, and I want you to stand naked in front of the mirror, and I want you to call out all your body parts, and I want you to declare how beautiful they are because God made you beautiful, a workmanship in Christ Jesus, and you can't tell the potter that this clay is no good. It's illegal for you to do that. So I want you to break this spirit by declaring from your spirit man to your soul man, this is who you are. Pastor, that's just plum crazy. I said, yeah, go do it. I'm telling you, when you declare these things, whether you really believe it or not, pretty soon your spirit man will tell your soul the way it's going to be. That's subjecting the soul to the spirit because it's true. And if you need to find scripture, you can find a book. You're the workmanship in Christ Jesus. You made you beautiful. You're amazing. For works that you're going to, you could find them all over the place. And so, this is part of that declaration to break the belief process that is not true or has been cursed over, okay? Same with the ones that we pronounce over ourselves, page 39. Okay, we're gonna finish page uh, 40. If you have been in masonry um, or your family line has been in masonry, I suggest strongly that you read through this and you walk through this as a prayer to the Lord. And you can journal. Um, it's yourself. But we we will cover it also in prayer ministry. Uh, and I, we've already done the one with um, oh no we didn't do Genilda. This is the one in Spain I wanted to tell you about. This was kind of talk about generational. Let me share this testimony. We were in Madrid. Um, there's the church's seats I think I don't know 3,000 or so. The church was fairly full. We've got all the Batel minist- uh, the leaders there that Uh, Minister to, and and most of them are have come out of all forms of drug addiction and brokenness. Um, In fact, they're all either have been prostitutes or drug addicts or drug dealers. But they've been set free. They've worked through the process. They now run the ministry. And I mean, they're some of the roughest, toughest folks I've ever met on earth. Missing teeth, tattooed, left, right, scarred all over. (laughs) It's like, wow, these are tough. But man. As soon as the music started, the worship started, they started, you see all these burly, and they're up there dancing and floating, and and, uh, it was like, wow, this is awesome, I love this. This just feels like really home here, this is good. Well, they wanted to know why the recovery rate for heroin addicts was twice that of the secular um, institutions and homes that they have in Spain. The Spanish government wanted to know why. Why is it that this organization that doesn't charge anything is, has got a recovery rate that's twice? And so they, they sent a, uh, a reporter to do a go and spend time. Go to the Casa de Chica, the Casa de Hombres. Go everywhere they go, to the drug camps outside of Madrid, which is the most hell on earth, I don't have time to describe. It's unbelievable. The cops allow them to go there, get their fix, and drive. As long as they're doing it outside the city limits, it's kind of a, a no-fly zone area. Go there. Do your stuff. When you go in there, things I saw there, hypodermic needles stacked a foot high, pregnant females, completely unconscious with a heroin needle stuck in her arm. I, I just, it brought me to tears. So we're, we're in this place so that they assign this reporter to find out, find out why. So he goes with them several months. We get to this point where they're dancing and all this stuff, and and, they get, and they, he, he was assigned to the one, I don't know how, what the name is in Spanish. maybe some, He's called the Thick One. I don't know how you say it in Spanish. But he was like six foot two, arms as big as my head, right? He was known as the Thick One. He was one of the first converts out of heroin addiction. He's now one of the significant leaders. He was assigned the reporter, and the reporter, uh, all of a sudden, he's the thick one's up there, and he's dancing, and, and and the guy he's never he's not a Christian. He's sitting there in the middle of this apostolically infused, charismatic environment. He's like, the heck is this? I don't know what I don't know what this is. So he asks the thick one after. He goes, "Tell me, uh, why do you dance? Has that help your addiction?" He goes, we dance because we cannot fly. He goes, okay, I don't get it, but mm." they ended up writing a book, We Dance Because We Cannot Fly. And what he ended up reporting is the Holy Spirit infuses those believers to bring them the power to overcome the power of the addiction. And uh, the thick one on his deathbed, he was dying of AIDS. uh, my friend from Battelle, Elliot Tepper, said all of the key senior leaders were around his bed. He's got oxygen mask on. He's in a breathe He's near death. And this brought shivers to my heart. He, he turned to all the leaders. They would all, how could the thick one die? How could the one who inspired us as leaders? How? And he took off his oxygen mask just before he died. He says, if we don't surrender, we will find victory. Put his mask on, and a few minutes later, he died. And it just inspired them. So there's something about that ministry. I just love them. And and we've supported that. Your tithes and offerings have helped support that ministry for 20-something years. We're at this place, and this mom who's on staff there, she's one of the prostitutes that come out of that. She's been set free. She's now a believer. And she's having trouble. Her 14-year-old daughter has been manifesting like a snake on the kitchen floor, banging her head against the floor. She pretty much drags her to the meeting. Heard the deliverance folks were there. She said, I don't, you know, promised her some kind of stuff that said, if you'll come to me. So we're in the meeting and worship breaks out. And all of a sudden, this 14-year-old girl hits the ground and starts manifesting demonically. And it causes a stir. I turn, Phil Walls, my friend, uh, we end up we bring her mom, because she's 14, so we, don't, we didn't know what her age was. She looked a little younger than that. Um, found out later she's 14. So we go to a quiet room in the back. Worship is still going on. And while we're there, um, we start, she's really in a distraught, she is, eyeballs rolled back. She is in a demonic full manifestation. And as we're taking authority over it, because I realize she's, uh, she's probably above the age of reason, but I'm not quite sure, she, you know. She's, I think she's a free moral agent at that age, but, but her mom's there. And finally, we're not making any progress. So I, through the translator, I turned to the, I said, I took the mom aside. I said, come over here. I need to talk to you. I'm not, I don't mean to embarrass you, but there's something authorized here that we need to know about. Her mom breaks down and says, I had my child out of wedlock. My father pressed us, my sisters and I, into prostitution. I've been involved in witchcraft, and I have brought this upon my daughter. I was in the full-blown garbage when all this happened, and I just want my daughter free. I said, are you willing to renounce? And, Verdon, can you forgive your father? You no longer have any open doors, right? You know, I said, no, I'm a Christian now. I come to this, I'm in this ministry um, So she was very quick prayer, forgave her father, renounced prostitution, renounced the out of wedlock, uh, promiscuity, fornication, um, and gave permission for her daughter to be set free. I went back in the name of Jesus, took authority over that rejection, immorality, witchcraft, rebellion, very minimal manifestation. She got set free. The, The demon left her. And at that point, we turned and said, would you like to be free? His countenance changed. Sitting on the floor in this private room back. And I said, would you like to receive Christ? And she received Christ right then in a the moment. She said, I can feel the freedom. And she received Christ. And I remember Phil Walls. you got to love him. He's in heaven now. Um, he pulls out a $20 bill. He says, this is your birthday. Translate this. Tell her that today's her birthday in Christ. Her name's now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And this is her first birthday gift. Gave her 20 bucks, And, and so... I want you to see that the authorization, we, we'll talk a little bit more maybe next week about children deliverance. There's a whole book. If we end up doing deliverance on children, there's a book by Ida Hammond. It says children's deliverance that um, is really, really eye-opening. And so when we've done deliverance on children, those that are manifesting uh, in ways at school, belligerency and rebellion, all sorts of um, abuse items, uh, we we have the parent involved in that one. That's the difference from, and it'll be unique. My suggestion was that you don't don't do deliverance on children unless you've come and talked a little bit more. Okay, and here you have to get parental consent. The parents will be there. We we plan that. That's a that's unusual and it's uh, important. Okay. Let's finish on page uh, 44 and 45. If you'll notice that um, in the models of deliverance. The only way this works is the person who comes before you has to be truthful. Remember the example several weeks back of the business guy who went to Brazil with us and didn't believe, he knew we had to get a check mark to go to prayer ministry, but in his prayer ministry he held back some of his stuff because he didn't believe it was necessary. And then we get in the middle of warfare and the enemy got a hold of him and his, and his prayer partner who also had unforgiveness in her heart. (laughs) And so truthfulness is really, really uh, at the root of all this, right? Any unconfessed sin gives the destroyer legal rights. That's why before, that's why your lifestyle in doing ministry or even in self-deliverance matters. Ungodliness and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so when we openly rebel against God, we then invite in a form of witchcraft, and then we wonder why life is not going well on track. Now, not all issues are, are demonic. I know that, but um, so truthfulness really matters. And then unconfessed sin—we uh, we, want to get all the legal rights. That's how you tie up the strong man. Humility: um, when you go low, you get raised up. That's just the principle of the kingdom. So when you come in and. Um, you just here. Here's all I know. This is everything I know about. I'm going to be just transparent. F- I tell everybody, forget that you're in a ministry session. If I'm your pastor, just forget that. First of all, I am so not caring about what you did, as opposed to where you're going. And so, humility is really huge. Uh, confessing your sins one to another, as opposed to First John one nine, confessing to Him repentance, a willingness to turn, forgiveness. I gave you the example before of a person who refused to forgive, the one who had murdered their son. I think I gave you that example. Uh, Her son had been murdered. She was all full of arthritis and unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. had manifested in her body, and she wanted me to pray for her. And I just asked her, I said, well, is there anybody you need to forgive? Well, I've forgiven everybody except one, but I'll never forgive that person. And we got into this interchange of, well, what do you mean you're not going to, you have to, <laughs> I, I read her, Matthew says, if you don't forgive, the father doesn't forgive you. You don't want that. Do you? I don't care. I'm not forgiving him. That person deserves, deserves it. I said, well, we're done. I'm done praying for you. I'm not strong enough to pray for you. You have to pray for me. You're my pastor. I said, I'm not praying for you. You have to pray. And then she got man- angry. And then she said, all right, I'll, I'll will to forgive. I said, good. That's good for me. I don't care if you feel like it. Let's, if you're willing to, I'm willing to. So we went down the pathway, and we got halfway through the prayer, and she broke down and started crying. I won't have any grandchildren. He took my, my beloved baby boy, and now I'm crying. She's crying. That became true humility of repentance that unlocked this. I, I, I didn't pray. I remember her hands opened up in my office. I was like, I've rarely seen that before, but there was such a, a spirit of infirmity from the rooted bitterness. Legitimate anger, be angry and sin not, but it had gotten to the place where I can't forgive. Well, if you can't forgive, you'll manifest in your body some of those things. And when you do, the spirit of peace and the one who breaks infirmity, it was like the woman... With the spirit of infirmity for eighteen years, we read about last week. When the Lord set her free, she stood upright. Eighteen years, wow! So that's a big deal. Forgiveness, renouncing and breaking the ungodly connections. If you've been in immoral relationships, there is a soul tie that is connected, spiritually, physically. If you're in a soul tie connection um, with an maybe an unbelieving spiritual organization. Buddhism, I remember uh, probably, that's probably four or five years ago now, we had the communion table like we do on Sundays once a month. And this young man had come in and uh, he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. Um, I've been a Buddhist. I've been actually in a Buddhist seminary. I was learning to become a Buddhist monk. I've gone through all the rituals and, and the, the cleansings and all that. Right. I said, well, where are you now? And we confirmed he was a believer. I said, fine. And then uh, he took communion. And when he took communion, he got delivered at the communion table. And I was like, "Wow, this really is the meal that heals." <laughs> it's like uh, I've not seen anything that dramatic before. We've seen it in in uh, baptisms, water baptisms, but not uh, not there. So, and it wasn't all that you know crazy and dramatic. He just said, "Man, I got delivered today when I when I took the host." It's like whew. breaking ungodly connections and then asking the Holy Spirit for direction and. Uh, When you come into direct confrontation, um, it's rare now, but it's it does happen. We had one a few weeks back. A person who um, has been a Christian for years and years, but knew that there was a particular area of the life, came in. um, It was after six or seven hours. It was a long one. um, And we had two visitors that were being trained and certified in their late 70s, um, that wanted to be part. And when we got to the place of renouncing and breaking, this spirit manifested, and it came out. um, Four of us restrained her. I remember grabbing her hands, and this thing just, it, it did not like me, and just looked at me and just made this declaration. And we said, well, you're coming out. And in the name of Jesus, it left. And that person has been living in freedom. So, direct confrontation, there will be times when it can get a little um, exciting and usually depends on the depths of the darkness. The um, The more thorough, this is why we don't run into ministry. So if somebody manifests on a Sunday morning, they get into worship and all of a sudden the manifestation occurs, we're not gonna run into deliverance on that. We're gonna take a break, let them see if they wanna get set free. The more time you spend in forgiveness and confession the less drama. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's already done the work. He's already tied them up. So by the time we get done after five, six, seven hours, we've pretty much renounced it. It's like, usually it's a non-dramatic event. It just happens. But there are occasions where, it gets a little exciting. Okay. So here's what we want to do um, next week. I would like you to read through um, and look at the scriptures for the journal. So let's let's pretend that you're about to go to prayer ministry. Some of you are, by the way. You signed up. So I'd like you to do um, four and five. It's like, and you can do this as a self-deliverance. Um, if there's an area of your life that you're struggling, you, you've got a lack of peace in a particular area. Um because I think over eighty plus percent of you have already been to prayer ministry, so you're here getting trained up. And I love that. But do the journal for yourself, um, even if it's a mock journal. You, you can look at the scriptures. What, who would I need to? It might be this week. Well, I need to forgive my boss, my coworker, a friend at church, da da da, um, a child. So you do your confession and your forgiveness list. If you've had, um, so you do your own little private journal you can look at the page five and say, are there any areas, now if you've been in Freemasonry, this would be a really good time, or you've been in the occult, or you've been in some, or you got to, maybe you have an active sin that is currently kicking your butt. You can go down this list and start looking at, what is it, if I'm struggling with a lot of fear and anxiety right now, Lord, what is it that's about that fear and anxiety that's, what are the circumstances around that event That's bringing me anxiety and fear. They're real events. They could be real circumstances. But the reality is the word says something about that. And when I believe that God will not help me or there's no way out of this or he will not work all things together for good because I love him, that's a lie. He will move the mountains. Now, he may not do it as fast as we'd like it to. That's why that's wait patiently for him to act part Trust the Lord and do do good, Psalm 37, but wait patiently for him to act. So, that song we sing, it's in the waiting. I love that song. It's in the waiting, right? Waiting for it to manifest. So, I'm sure all of us have, I have, real events that I'm in the midst of right now. And so, do a semi, like you're getting ready to go to your own prayer ministry. And then... I would like you to read through page seven, eight, all the way through eleven. So the, la- the rem- from page seven to the end, this is the destiny model. And next week we're gonna we're gonna set it up as if we're in the midst of it. And if you come in with your own list of things that you're you've been working on this week, doing self deliverance for. I think it'll bring some power to it. And then, so, the journal 7 through 11, if you look at the pages, what it is, is a destiny model procedure. Let's, we'll give you an example, and then we'll finish. Um, we will start the session with team covering. So, what, what you're about to read, you say, wow, there's, there's 14 bullets here, Pastor. Yeah. But I'll tell you, once once you get the flow of it down, it, it makes it makes just a whole lot of sense. What you're doing is you're about ready um, to take possession now of this area, this territory. And I like the example of the operating room. If you're going to go into the operating room, there are certain prerequisites in the operating room. The surgeon will have you sign a paper of release. That's what we do in the journal process. Um, You will have specialists there, an anesthetist, You'll have a surgeon. Um, they're They're going to go about trying to figure out if it's open heart surgery they're going to, first thing they're going to do is they're going to take a saw and they're going to break you open then they're going to spread you apart they're going to then figure out where is the defect in your heart they may take right mom, is that going to bring it up memories Uh, they're going to take a bypass if they do bypass surgery they'll take a vein from your leg and they will rewire you so that the blood flow through your heart is better than it was before without blockages that's prayer ministry. We're going to come into this place, but in the process, that's a clean room. It has to be a non-defiled room. We don't have we have we have we have conditions around the tools and the instruments. They got to be clean. All the stuff that goes in comes out. It's logged in and out. You wear gloves. Is, so the people that are doing the ministry, the doc, doc, doctor doesn't come in undefiled. He scrubs. He's in scrubs. He's in There's a whole preparation in the process for open heart surgery. That's what we're going to look at in the first part. When we get ready to do spiritual open-heart surgery, we have to do it undefiled and prepared with all the right instruments, with the right Holy Spirit in place to give us all the gifts and direction we need. And so take a look at those seven pages. So your homework then is to look at page 7 through 11 and do your journal process for yourself. And we'll set that up. And uh, So let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Thank you all for being so diligent in your processing here. Lord, we thank you, and I pray a special hedge of protection around this group of people. We're going to meet back here next week and celebrate that Irma is just gone. We're not going to worry about her, and I don't even like the fact that she's trying to come to the United States. We don't want you. You're not welcome here. No vacancies. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing of peace over all the families represented here, regardless of what we might have touched on tonight that's got them thinking, kind of the the, uh, spiritual juices are flowing like, wow, what about this? What about that? Lord, I pray that you'd bring value to the revelation, that there would be an uncovering of areas so that your people become freer and freer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah.